Hi, and welcome to Humans Like Us. I'm your host, Ricky Longshaw. On today's episode, I sit down and have a chat with Jasmine Lucas. Jazz has studied psychology, has a degree in teaching, runs mentor programs to help people find alternative pathways and ease people into university. She's a mother and a wife. As well as all that, she is my longest friend. She's been a part of my story for so long now that everything major I've ever been through or dealt with, she has guided me from simple questions to hard truths. This episode for me was pure catharsis. We discuss in-depth emotions and with utter honesty ask each other questions that give insight into our lives and our friendship from a completely honest and vulnerable point of view. This is part one of a long conversation and I hope you enjoy. Why can't you just give an answer and move on? Oh, that's a big, that's it. This is the problem, right? So I'm a very much, I love context. I overanalyze everything and I don't think anything could ever be summed up to one sort of solution. And it's sort of where, where you are in life. Like what I say to you today, I might look back in 10 years time and be like, yeah, I don't agree anymore. So I think I'm always like trying to cover the spectrum, which you can never do. I'm just overly analytical. Yeah. It might be because I'm a bit of a perfectionist. Okay, maybe. <laughs> so I don't give a shit, right? Like I've listened to like throughout like the Let's Figure This Out days, I think we did 72 episodes. So there would be a hundred plus hours of content there. Mm-hmm. And I reckon I've listened to maybe two episodes back. Wow. Yeah, because like I figure if I said it mm. at that point, I meant it. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Right, like, and and I, I wonder, like, and I, I can see how, um, like, I can see how celebrities get caught, right, with shit. Like, like, obviously, I'm never gonna be a celebrity, so it's never gonna be like someone trolling through, like, and be like, "Fuck, he said this. <laughs> he doesn't like this." <laughs> I think that's how it starts. Though most celebrities don't think right, they're doing yeah. their young matters, and then they're like, oh, mm, "Now I need a PR." Person. Oh, like I, I. Like I could never be a um, like a politician, right? Like, cause can you imagine like like <laughs> the dirt they would find? They'd be like, oh, you did this and this and that. And you'd yeah. be like, just stop looking, just just yeah. give up. Yeah. I, I withdraw from the race. I'm done. <laughs> you made your point. Yeah, I concede. I, yeah, I think there's yeah. So when it comes to this, like generally, like I'll just say something and never think about it again. Yep. Yeah, no, I um, I don't know what it is. Like, I, I obviously enjoy listening to your stuff and, you know, every time you're filming, I think there was once I called you and you answered the phone. I was like, no, hang up. I just want to leave a voicemail. Yeah. I just, I got some thoughts. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I think I just always try and, I, I think I've probably been trained a little bit to look for the gracious alternative. And that's why even in my daily life, I don't have a lot of, well, I try not to have a lot of conflict because I'm always like, okay, what's the different gracious alternative I can take in this situation? Yeah. So yeah, I do. I always overanalyze everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's not me. <laughs> like I, I do to a certain extent, but there's a certain point where you just, you can't, you can't control everyone's mm. like reception of what you say. You just can't. It's impossible. So I figured like if you said it, you meant it. Yeah. What's that quote? Um, Someone else's opinion of you has got nothing to do with you, mm. and it's like, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah mind just, your business. and they've they've already made up their mind. Like you're not yeah. going to change it generally. Like people yeah. have pretty much made up their mind about yeah. you, which is fine unless you're a people pleaser and you're like, actually yeah. Care and look, I am a people pleaser <laughs> as well, and and you certainly do chase it. And I think it's like the next step of evolution for me is like letting go of yeah people's opinions of me because it 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 
really and it, like, this is the other stupid part is it probably doesn't they probably don't think about me the way that I think they think about me. So I'm like, this person thinks I'm this person and, and they probably don't. They don't give a shit, right? Like, they don't care about what I am. Yeah, you just mm. build this whole narrative that doesn't even exist. But I think that comes with, like, age and maturing because when you're younger, everything is so heightened and you feel like everyone has to be your friend or you want everyone to love you and you want to be a great person so you're always sort of defending yourself but as you get older you're like you know what i'm cool with who i am i've done the dance if my circle is this little and i've got two people in my corner they're the two that i really care about so yeah yeah i think it's an age thing yeah maybe it is maybe i'm just getting (laughs) old and boring (laughs) so so, yeah you are you're much older actually much older (laughs) um so i suppose for Let's let's let me uh, let me do a background for everyone listening. So I'm sitting down here with uh, with Jasmine. Jasmine is my oldest friend. Um, we've known each other since year eight or nine, probably year nine, I suppose. So about fourteen. Uh, we're both in our mid thirties now. So <laughs> twenty odd years of friendship. Um, Jasmine has been many many things to me over the years. Um, She's been, you know, we had this weird dating part at, at that first <laughs> when you're in high school and it doesn't really exist and we held hands and all those good things. Uh, Jasmine is the only person alive that I still really talk to that knew my dad. So she was there for that whole thing. She had a relationship with my dad as well. So she understands that part of my life and she's sort of been like uh like i don't want to say a shame like there's this shame to it but she's always been the person that will listen to all my problems and 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 sort of zero judgment and then luckily for me she studied psychology and can now explain why i am the way <laughs> i am um so yeah so she's she's been in my life forever for the for the most of it right like the all the fun stuff anyway um yeah so so that's the background on jazz to me um so yeah like what like and you you're uh you've got a phenomenal memory and you're a you're a note taker and a writer (laughs) and all these things how did we meet Oh, see, I was trying to work this out the other day. Um, I think it was through, so I got really close with Beck mm-hmm. and we used to hang around a lot. And um, then obviously there was you guys, so yeah, Dave, Dave, Maddie, and Bev. Yeah. Um, and I think it was more she sort of started flirting with David. I think that sort of drew the crowd together. Right. And I was trying to remember, was it the camp we went on that sort of solidified or were we already friends no we that? were we were already dating then all four of us were like the foursome then because yeah yeah because right. yeah, yeah. it was like me and you and and beck and dave and beavis and kayla oh that's right yeah there was like that weird thing yeah, yeah. and then maddie was just on his own journey <laughs> like he was just Matt doing his own thing so him. yeah yeah so it was um it was that time so that camp must have been that was later. What camp was that? Well, that wasn't the Cape to Cape, was it? No, we went. We, we did the Cape Icy. to Cape. You guys we went to there. Icy Lake or something. And remember, there was like three sets of camps that went. And then, like, we were like <sighs> the stragglers. I think there was only like twenty of I us. Don't even, I remember the. I remember the yeah. picture, right? Like, and Tomo yeah. was there, and like I remember that. <laughs> but I 
do not remember that camp. Yeah. Well, you weren't in the best headspace. No. That's when we yeah. sort of like made jokes. We said you had PMS the whole time. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's, that's one of the times I, I, I can recall where like um, I really identify that I had mental health issues my whole life. Yeah. And that's like one of them. And I remember just being like, oh, I'm staying in bed. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not talking to anyone. And I remember that like, you know, normally with me at least one-on-one, I could yeah. sort of, you know, talk you around. But it was no, it was like banging your head against the wall. And I was like, you get out of bed. And we're like. Yeah. I think we're even sabotaging you to try and get you out of bed and stealing your sheets. And yeah, no doubt. Yeah. 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 yeah isn't that funny? Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't, rem- I don't remember that camp. I remember the yeah. Cape to Cape, which I did with Dave and Beavers. Yeah. And, um, and that was cool. That was, <laughs> God, fucking such dumbass teenagers. That was where I yes, come back you with were. your initials, like <laughs> engraved in my arm. And Dave had bet. Oh, it was this whole fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. Forgot about that. Yeah. So that that was that was year ten. So yeah, it must have been like that yeah. year nine, year I just, ten. I can't pinpoint when it was though because yeah, it's sort of like for, feels like you've always been in my life. Yeah. Like, and you know, yeah, we like you mentioned, we did date, but it was, I don't know, I think we realised very soon on that there was like a family sort of bond there and it was, yeah, I don't know, it it always feels like you're there. I can't remember the transition from, because you went to Glencoe, yeah? No, no, I went to Falcon. Falcon, And then so, and then Coodnup because Halshead wasn't open yet. So so it was going to be year eight at Coodnup and then Halshead opened in year nine. Yeah, and then Dad was like, "Do you want to go to Halshead or do you want to stay at Coodnup?" And I was like, "Fuck it, let's stay at Coodnup." Yeah, see, one of the other reasons why I love you, Dad. Yeah, yeah. well, you in my life and kept you there. Yeah, great. right. Like <laughs> so, yeah, I, I remember like this, like like getting to Coodnup was a nightmare. Yeah, like it was would have been so much Buses. easier to go to Halshead, but I just stayed with comfortable with what I knew. It was a shit school, <laughs> but I had a group of friends, right? And that's all that mattered. Yeah, I look I look back on it more and more now. I know that like the reputation of the school and the environment that we're in um but i don't think we could have really had a better experience in the sense of our core our group of friends we were so lucky like, we were so different right yeah. like to like <laughs> so let me describe the school for people that don't know it so the school is built around a giant green bit of grass right so it's like a quad they called it essentially in this quad it's just it was like a stupid statue, like a bronze statue in one corner, and then it was just this thing. And if, say, if you walked into the school straight ahead of you, like the opposite side of the quad was the library, and then essentially there was tables left and right all the way up in the veranda patio sort of area. We were the sort of kids that went, fuck it, let's sit dead in the middle of the grass. And so we just sat under that tree, right? Like yeah. we were just like, uh, we like, I don't know, like between me and Dave, class clowns, real actors put all of our fear and anxiety into humour and comedy. Mm-hmm. We were just that sort of group where we just sort of went, yeah, let's just go sit in the middle and be as different as possible. Yeah. And I think like I'd come from, I had a really rough time in high school, struggle in high school, in primary school, um, I never really clicked with people. I got made fun of a lot. I was always the bigger kid, the taller kid, I, you know, bit out there. And um, I remember mum was like, oh, I don't know how to fix this. What can I do for you? And she used to say, go sit under a tree and read a book. And um, that's what I used to do. So I think coming into high school, we all sort of blended together really easy. And I already didn't care by then what people thought of me. So, yeah, let's sit in the middle. Like, we want to do this. We're not going to sit in the shade as, like, with all the other sheep. Yeah. And, yeah. And then everyone sits there now. Like, no one sits on the outside. Yeah, right. Like, so we had those tables. Like, I used to sit to the left uh, with, like, Brent and, and, like, the, I don't want to say, like, the, like, they were the alternative kids, right? <laughs> like, so it was, like, Brent and, uh, 
and uh, Luke and oh, what's the other guy's name? John John is Bister, not those sort mm-hmm. of real sort of alternative kids yep. that listen to like weird rock music. music and all that sort of stuff. They were left, and then all the cool kids were like at the library, which you sort of knew. And so I think we just sort of yeah, I don't know. It was just just that time. Yeah. Like we were all awkward kids. Yeah. Like uh, I would say that. Dave was probably the coolest of us, right? Like, and he was sort of, yeah. I don't know, he was probably the most popular of the lot, and he was still really weird. <laughs> and so, like, we were just these misfits, like freaks and geeks, yeah, right? Like, 100%. that was our... <laughs> yeah. And I think because, like, I grew up with Kylie, and she was obviously in the popular group, so, like, mm. we still had yeah. our connection in that. And so for bits of it, I'd get dragged in in that, but I was like... You know, Toto, you're a long way from home. You do, you do yeah. not belong here. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know anyone that come from, there was like very small amount of people that come from Falcon to Kuna. Mm. There was like Tegan. Oh, no. I always wonder what happened with her. Mm. She used to catch the bus all the way in with me as well. So we were like, she lived like further indoors than I did. So we were really good friends. I think so. She come from Falcon. I don't, I don't know how many other people did. So I think like going from primary school, because I obviously come in late to Falcon, I started in year five and it was like mid-year five. I probably was even late year five, I suppose, by the time I finished up in Perth. And cooting up for me was like a fresh start, right? Like yep. it was where I could be someone new again and I just was the same person. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah, you went through a lot of changes in that time. That was yeah, crazy. it was it was a really huge change period for me. Um, but yeah, it was yeah, we were just such outcasts. Like <laughs> it was just so weird and goofy, and it was the best of times, right? Like it yeah. was that real discovery. Like I'm excited now because Mims obviously started high school, and I just like she's a she's an outsider and I just yeah. can't wait for her to find a little group and, and be weird together. I get great joy of like, I still look back over our yearbook and stuff and like, oh, I don't even have one anymore. Oh, I need to ring it. Like, yeah, I think there was one question. It was like in five words or less. And of course I was like, 30 words, like yeah. the whole page. And I was like, no, no, you know what? You're not going to put me in a box. I've been put in a box yeah. this whole time. And then like all the popular kids, it was just like quoting Wonderwall and like yeah, song yeah. lyrics and everyone had the same one. And I was like, and all of ours just nuts. I think uh, Maddie's as well. It was just, yeah, we were definitely, we were the kids I think teachers probably talked about like. Oh, no doubt. No, no we're going to make it. These <laughs> bunch of weirdos and now yeah. look at us all, all yeah. successful. Yeah, we don't get paid enough to look after these Oh, ones. man, the <laughs> shit we put those teachers through. Fuck, I'm so embarrassed. I know. <laughs> Some of those. Like, had- poor Miss Rogers. Like, yeah. I remember making her cry. Just, oh, she's the worst human on earth. Me and Dave in the same class, the worst. Yeah, I, I got mine was Miss Raguska, and I still, I, I would love if anyone knows Miss Raguska. I think her first name was Diane. I, I loved name her for twenty she years. Was, I'm pretty confident English, and like such a ray of sunshine. Like she's the kind of teacher that makes you want to become a teacher, mm. and I loved her. But I went through a real, real awful time in Year Ten, and I just got sassy, and I was, I was not me. And I remember being in her class one day and being an absolute cow, and she had to kick me out. And I remember coming to talk to me even after class and like almost comforting me and like making sure I was okay. I'm like, I've just been the worst person and worst version of myself to you and you still bring in kindness my way. Yeah. Man, yeah. I just, yeah. I hope she got it, like great joy in her life. Yeah. She's a phenomenal human. Yeah. Our, um, mm. 
There was a, a bunch of really good teachers there. There was a really, like a bunch of really good teachers. And fuck, we all, I was such a wanker back then. Hindsight, <laughs> Yeah, man, like I, <laughs> I don't know how teachers don't punch kids more. <laughs> like, and somehow I never thought, I, I'm like, I just finished my master's in teaching. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. You know, you've been teaching schools and like, oh, I remember being this age. Yeah, right. Like, I still remember it. Like, I still remember it vividly being a teenager. And just, God, you're just so insecure and take it out on every single other person. 100%. You don't know how to manage those emotions, you know. You just, yeah. And... Not for for a lot of it. We didn't really have great role models. We've got a couple. Don't get us wrong. Like, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's that's a hard thing. You're trying to like deal with these emotions. You're trying to figure it out yourself. You're trying You've to watch never for been taught, Like how to deal with an emotion ever that's not anger, <laughs> violence, and like an outburst. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, or just or just absolute, suck it up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> yeah, don't get us wrong. Like we survived. We, we survived, and and so did the poor teachers. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, we might have our face on like a dartboard, and they just oh no doubt. Like it's like um, Billy Madison. There's <laughs> just a teacher just crossing that line off. Yeah, hopefully Miss Regards could just heard that and went, yeah, all right, she's off the list. Yes, thank you. Yeah, no. Yeah, good times. But yeah, oh, horrible. I, I don't know. I look back. I um because I think things change so fluidly, and I now I sit on the board of that school, and it has done like such a 180 it's actually like one of the most popular schools in the community it's the one that everyone fights to get into and they're having to turn kids away um i think their their philosophy in like pastoral care is just phenomenal so yeah i don't know when i'm back there i might have to go look in the staff room see if yeah see if we're on the board yeah see if there's <laughs> any familiar faces there yeah i um uh, yeah, it, like I, I look back at that period, and that is like a big driver for why I'd like to go to more schools and mm. and 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 spot kids that need that person mm-hmm. that will follow up after an outburst and just be like, bro, is everything okay? like I mm-hmm. know that's probably not ever going to be a position I'm in, but yeah, I think that the world needs more of the people to art. like. I know, and I know kids are going to be super reserved, and everything's not going to be great at home, and kids are you know. Kids that come from those sort of environments are taught not to talk about it because mm. if you talk about it, then I get taken away and that's mm. it, right? Yeah, well, that's the whole thing about shame, right? Like shame really thrives when there's like silence, there's um, all this secrecy, you don't talk to anyone, you don't show emotion, you you really hone it in. Yeah. But that just fuels it that it's wrong, that you're wrong, that what you're doing is not okay. So then like you don't want to ask for help and you you sit with it for way longer than you should. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's such a so detrimental to our young people that we just make. No, I don't want to say being weak, but being vulnerable, telling the truth is just so like ostracized almost. Like it's just like don't fucking talk about it. Just mm. shut up and get along with it. Like this is our business. And like I used to hear that all the time as a kid. Was this is our business in this house? No one needs to know about it. Don't tell anyone about our business. Yeah, it was mm. always just such a, like, a... And that's a real, like, button pusher for me for, like, my relationships as I got older. Because um, I, w- I was in a situation where I was previously engaged and there was stuff going on and it was, like, a long period of, let's say, a good five, six months where things are going on and in my head it's you don't air dirty laundry, you don't take this outside, okay, there's some issues going on, let's work on it. We can go to a counsellor but we don't tell family, we don't tell friends, we don't drag people into the mix and then it did a 180 and 
he started to drag people into the mix, but I was still so adamant on protecting his anonymity and the things that were going on that it fueled the shame. And then, you know, I think we have to get better at, yes, being vulnerable, but I think people also have to get better at not victim blaming and not, not turning that around. So I sent you that meme the other day and it was like, uh, Will Smith's wife yeah. publicly announced that she cheated on him and now he's a meme. Um, and there were a few other guys and yeah. they all had these massive things where they're, they're now crying in a meme. We sit there on one hand and say we want men to be more vulnerable and to speak their truth and then we'll bash them and go, oh, you're not a man, toughen up. It's, it's horrible, but we, there's a lot of work to be done there. Yeah, yeah, there is so much in that space that is... <sighs> Is, um, so sorry. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Yeah, there's so much in that space that is just so contradictory. Mm-hmm. We want everyone to, you know, I, I tell you what, but I think it is like it's definitely getting spoken about more. I've seen like whether or not it's really clever marketing or or a real clever niche. This is always a skeptic in me. Is I've seen heaps of female TikTokers mm-hmm. that only talk about men's mental health. It's not like this or that. It's calling out women that Mm. are like you fucking say you want one thing and then they give it to you and you're not happy and this is what's you know so there's plenty of that which i think is good but there's definitely like oh i'm gonna get fucking slammed for this (laughs) watching um married at first sight the other day (laughs) are you watching it at the moment i'm not but i do love a good tv show so i've not i've i think i watched one season like a bit and there was like one woman that gave me the shits there was a guy on there the other week, and obviously, like it's like it's probably like a certain amount of it is like a scripted environment, or at least a mm-hmm. you know manufactured environment. But this woman sat on the couch and tore this bloke to fucking pieces, and he was like in tears, right? And he ended up standing up and walking out. All the blokes got up, followed him out. Oh. hugs like and the, like one dude called her out he's like that's fucking bullshit he's the most manly dude because he wears like woody pajamas and mm-hmm. like he's a real like soft like nice dude and she's like you're not a man you're not man enough and blah 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 and he's like fucking in tears yeah. all the boys fuck no nah, he's like the most man talks about his feelings that's manliness mm-hmm. followed him out of the room gave him a hug like don't listen to her and like yeah and then all the women got into it it was really good i think that's that's the thing though right so as women there's this whole um norm around men are physically stronger they can hurt you da 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 or they can shut their feelings off and move on and you know you that abandonment issues women have but they know their power is in the words so mm-hmm. i'm going to come at you because society says you need to be a man you need to be tough you need to have balls yeah um and that's where it's going to hit you deepest because like you said just then i'm going to make you aware of it people are going to come at me yeah right, right. because i watch everything. and you can you have every right to watch that <laughs> yeah, and well, I, can, no, just I know to, that people are going to take the piss <laughs> just to like put a feather in your cap um there is a lot of research around highly intelligent people who watch reality tv so there you go yeah i'm not um, highly intelligent i'm are. one of the dummies that sit there like oh this might be real <laughs> i get and this sounds awful i like watch those sort of shows i'm like okay my life is good yeah um, right you know and i tell my husband like should i step up my crazy like yeah um yeah but you know that's the thing though there's there's this there was something in you just then that made you feel like you had to caveat or cap it and say oh, i just i can i can picture like two or three like <laughs> brad the guy had on like the first episode like i can picture yeah. him now texting me like 
Uh, how's Mouse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. No. And he's a like he's he's a lovely man. Like I know he would, there's never any malice in him, but I know I'm going to cop shit for yeah. that, and that's okay. Yeah. I can deal with that. Yeah, but you know, like I th- I really like that sentiment of you know the, he's a guy that he's. You wouldn't talk to anyone that way, right? You wouldn't Never. strip someone, even if you're angry, you don't strip them down to that point where you're vulnerable, you're on live TV, and I'm going to make you cry. Yeah. To the point where you could walk away. So kudos for those guys for walking out. They're not, yeah. they could have just torn strips into her, but by following him out and making that the priority and yeah. that I'm going to give you a hug. When we're in a culture, like you said, like, I, think, I think you were talking to Brad and you were saying like, you know, you don't. You know, the best your dad yeah. probably got was, oh, you're right, mate, have yeah. a beer, move on. Yeah. Um, so I think society is slowly getting better at that, but I do think we still have the insecurities and the hang-ups that come with that. Yeah, and, and that, that's sort of where I was getting to was that I think we are moving in the right direction. Like I have a couple of friends now that like uh, two two in particular that I can message like like it's, it's funny like we'll see each other online like you know you wake up and pick up your phone everyone fucking does it and, and it's like active now or whatever and I'll get a message from my mate I'll be like good morning mate and it's like morning brother hope you crushed today have a good day love heart yeah. right like and I can do that with a couple of mates yeah. so I think like if I can do it Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's maybe I'm not the the most extreme of closed off emotions but I'm definitely like I no, that's a lie. But, but there's probably like, mm-hmm. I can do it, right? Like, I'm comfortable doing it. Like, I can tell them right now that I love them and, and I can tell them via text and all those sort of things. But I think, yeah, I think we're getting there. I mm-hmm. think we are moving in the right direction. Yeah. It does take a lot of conscious effort, though. Like, I think you've brought it up a few times. Like, you are doing the work right now. You are, you're reflecting gratitude. You sent me a message the other week and I was like, you okay, bro? What's going yeah, on? And right. you're like, no, I just felt like yeah, I had to and that's say it. that's the thing, right? Like, if you reach out and send someone a six sentence long message, you're like, oh shit, he's gonna do himself in. <laughs> like that's because yeah. people think immediately. Yeah. Like if you can, like I've I've sent it to a few people, just like, hey, bro, I just want to let you know that I really appreciate you having you in my life and and all these things. I love it and I love you. And people are like, oh shit, he's fucking gone. Like he's done right. And yes, yeah, so I think. I think that the whole world is working on I want to believe that they are anyway. Yeah, I agree. Again, maybe it's just an age thing. Maybe we're growing up and... Well, gratitude's so important, right? So I do a lot of gratitude journaling and um, I follow this project, uh, the Resiliency Project, and it's it's like a lot of work in schools and I work in that space too. And um, yeah, I just love how vulnerable the founder is and, and he works on that. He's like, you know, do this gratitude journaling and he goes, you know, if you can write it down, give it to the person in person. Don't, you know, like, don't text it, give it to them. And he goes, because I guarantee it's really hard to sit there when you're being that vulnerable and watch someone's reaction. Yeah. Like, when you were introducing me, I'm sitting here and i like, I had to close my eyes for a bit. I'm like, don't look at him, I'm going to cry. Um, it's hard to hear nice things about yourself. Yeah. But it's so important that we share yeah. that. Otherwise, how many people are wandering through the world and not knowing, you know, the impact they're making, you know? I always think of, is it the episode of How I Met Your Mother? And, um... Ted's trying to make a point and just goes up to this guy and he's like, hey man, I love you. And he's like, oh, thanks. Like I was going up there to jump today and just someone interacting with him or sharing a tiny bit of kindness, it yeah. really makes a difference. It, it really like, um, it really surprises me. And again, like, I don't know how much of it's real, but like, again, like social media, the notes from a stranger. Have you seen mm-hmm. any of those mm-hmm. where it's just like a fucking, you go up to someone that looks completely normal, just going about their day, normal face, normal everything. Everyone's just... 
this this facade mm. read like one fucking sentence and they're like wiping away tears and looking around like instantly like fucking hell like the amount of emotion that is one sentence away mm. just is phenomenal that where we get to that point where you can read like one sentence and be like oh fuck mm. well that's like one of our basic human ne- i'm not going to try and take it too psyche but i get psyche <laughs> but one of our basic human needs is for like a sense of like autonomy so we can make our own choices and feel like we're in control of our life but a sense of relatedness and connected to someone or something is one of the basic human needs that we often thought and squished down into a box and try and pretend that we can do it on our own or that it doesn't matter when we're all connected it's a bigger picture like we can't be silly enough to sit here and go oh the world revolves around me and it's all about what's going on here um and i think that's why like i'm really proud of you for what you're doing and I love that you've called this humans like us because I feel like everyone really is going through something, has a story, and we're just seeking that sense of relatedness. Um, so, yeah, like, I don't know, I just, I really love it. I did a lot of research into that domain and it's just, it's my passion. It's <laughs> yeah, really <cool>. yeah, <laughs> I, I think that we, we do forget so quickly that one, we're just human, right? Mm-hmm. We're fucking made to fuck up and... Mm-hmm. And, and I think that the next step of that is, and you don't have to go as extreme as, as some people have or, you know, get as interested in it as I am, but that examine life, right? Like understand why you have certain triggers and understand what really makes you happy and mm. what really makes you sad and where that comes from. Like those sort of things I find super fascinating for that exact reason is we all have them. Mm. But no one talks about them, right? Like no one talks about one time, you know, my dad got really mad. So I now have this innate, you know, I was talking to a guy the other day and he he figured out like he's, you know, he must be in his 40s, I suppose early 40s. And he is a NLP coach. Oh, yep, yep. And he was running this course. So he's been doing it professionally for ages, and um, and he couldn't figure out. He had one of his mates in the course, and his mate was getting mad, and he couldn't figure out why he was reacting to his mate getting mad. So he called his coach, his life coach, that deals with all like his. Uh, he's got a few, and he and he called this one that like helps him understand his mental process. And, and this lady brought it out that one time he lied to his dad so bad that his dad just got so mad. So what he did when it come time to tell males the truth was he avoided conflict. Mm-hmm. And he knew he had to tell this guy in his class one thing and he couldn't bring himself to do it. So, and when you understand that like we are just this fucking sum of all these interactions, mm-hmm. positive and negative, like, yeah, it's it's just so fascinating that we just walk around carrying it all and don't even know. Hey guys, I'd like to take a moment here to ask for a favour if I can. I'd really love to see this podcast grow and here's how you can help. A subscribe and a rating on your podcast platform of choice would be awesome. Also, sharing it with friends, family or co-workers goes a long way too. Please, if you haven't already, come find us on the socials at Humans Like Us Podcast. We're everywhere. And also, if you have a great story to tell or just want to reach out and say hi in a more formal way than DM, head over to humanslikeus.com. I'm down for that too. All right, let's get back to it. Yeah, and, it, and it's, it's a thing though, like, 
I drove past a church the other day and they had this sign at the front and it just said, no perfect people allowed. And I'm like, I love that. I'm like, because like you can be a nice person, a kind person, a generous person, but no one is perfect. We, we are fundamentally flawed, mm-hmm. but it's okay as well. Like I think if you're going through life and you're not addressing any of those flaws and you're just setting fire to everything and making other people's lives awful, not okay. Let's do something about it. But there's a reason why all psychs have psychs, right? Like mm. everyone needs someone. So life coaching, therapists, psychologists, there's a big stigma and taboo around them. And, oh, my God, you're going to judge me. You're going to analyze me. Um, but I'm more like, why is that not exciting? Like yeah. if someone can sort of take a step back and give you a little bit of information that can really help your life, that's probably a really great asset. But we avoid it. Um, and I'll give you a real honest, vulnerable sort of example. So I, I've been seeing a therapist and um, he got me so quick. We started chatting and like, I reckon within two minutes and he just comes to me and he goes, oh, okay. So like security is really important to you. Da, 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 da. And he brings all these things to the surface and we're having this chat and he sort of like, yes, to me, he's okay. So you know what your diagnosis is because you're, you've done this degree. I'm like, yeah, that's the blessing and curse. I know all the things logically, but I still have the emotions, right? And I'm balancing meeting them. So I'm a perfectionist. Um, and I have a strong need for like OCD need for control, um, because that decreases the anxiety. It makes me feel like I'm a better person, etc. Now I do almost the opposite to what every other human would do. So, you know, this world of positive affirmations and setting the bar high and motivational speaking on my mirror at home, I have quotes, stop raising the bar. You know, 50% is good enough. Like, take that pressure off yourself because my perfectionism is so unrealistic and so high. So I feel like getting someone to give me that information and give me some tools is such a blessing. And I guess, I don't know, like, if we can get people to a point where we understand that it's not taboo, we are all flawed, no one is perfect, but there is, you know, solution and solace if you give yourself the chance to take it. Yeah, but it's that. You're asking someone to bungee jump without with with a blindfold on, right? Like, so you don't know how far the fall is. You don't know what's at the bottom. You need that person to get to that point. Um, and again, like in in you know, in the interest of being completely transparent, for me, it was I don't want to say suicidal ideation, but it was definitely a. Um, I was so fucking sick of being unhappy. Mm-hmm that what could be worse, right? Like it was at that point that I went to a therapist and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good with trust these days that I, you know, I understand it's not earned. Trust isn't earned. You need to give it. You, you have to give trust away. You have to trust before you can see the fruits of it, right? So I went to this therapist and she was lovely. Her name was Liz. And um, we sat down and instantly like, you know, like, I don't know if it was a good connection. Like, obviously, you need to be able to connect with your therapist. I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was just desperation that I needed someone to talk to that was completely removed from my life. Like, absolutely, I met her that day, had a chat. I left there feeling so weightless and exhausted. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we didn't even talk about much, right? Like, I, you know, this was probably oh, 2019, maybe 18. Um, you know, so my mum my had been dead for a couple of years and I think that's probably all we sort of talked about was that and then I went back for another session and we went through like some, um, oh, you'd probably be able to tell me the terms, but essentially it was like a, like a body response to telling the story. So we sat down 
and like it was really relaxing and I was calm. We'd started with some breath work and really slowed my body down. And then she's just like, all right, so tell me about before you were born. And she's like, and, you know, you're a baby and, you know, you're, you're just about to be born. And, and then and then you are born. And she's got this fucking lovely soothing voice. I could listen mm. to her all week. <laughs> and she's like, okay, and now you're three months old. And then, you know, you get to one. And then she, and then, I don't know, she got to like six and she's like, oh, okay, there was a bit of a reaction there at six. Like, I must have moved my face or my mm. arm or so Because, you know, I'm thinking I'm just breathing. So, and she's like, I just want you to know that we're going to come back to six-year-old Ricky and this and that. And mm. you can keep moving. And now you're seven. And we went through this all the way through to like 15, 16 or whatever. And she's like, hey, open your eyes. And she's like, all right. So I've got some points here. Something happened when you were like two, you know, four, six. Like, she had all these things written down. She's like, and we're going to work through these. And I never went back. But... <laughs> it was really calming, right? Like this, uh, yeah. So I'm sure that there's a word for it, mm. and I, I don't know. There's obviously a, like a like a response, mm. but uh, yeah, it was such a such a weight off my shoulders talking to this lady. She was yeah. so fantastic. Yeah, and you know what? It's it's hard. Like I think people maybe really resist therapy, and then they'll go and. You don't always connect. People think, oh, just because you've got a degree or you're a psych or a therapist or counselling a coach, you might not connect and you might not gel and that's okay, but don't let that be the stop that the stops barrier. you from, you know, getting yourself right. So, I mean, I think I've seen probably four or five different sites before I found one that works um, and I had one before and no, no disrespect because I know that there's multiple types of therapy and what you can do, but she was really trying to do like childhood therapy with me and... You know, now imagine you're all um, immobile and, you know, people are pulling at your emotions and you're a puppet. And I was just like, it just it irritates me. Like, <laughs> Tell me the exact diagnosis uh, and leave me alone. <laughs> well, she kept trying to drag me somewhere and like I wholeheartedly in every fibre of my being did not agree. And like I know sometimes it's blocked and you can't see trauma, but I was like, no, like I've done some work on this. Like... I don't have this trauma, that particular trauma you're trying to pull out of me right now. Yeah. And um, she just kept circling back to it and I was like, Ugh. Yeah. yeah. This this lady was trying to pull the same, mm. I, I want to say the same, same trauma out of me. Like I mm. think that that's immediately what she thought. And you know what? I reckon that there definitely has been. Mm. And the only reason I say that is because I have missed so many chunks of my childhood. Like mm. I think back now... And that maybe it's the, the drug and alcohol abuse in between and all the punches and kicks to the head that I've <laughs> absolutely sustained. But there is definitely chunks. Mm. And I want to say like large chunks of my childhood missing. And I don't know. Like maybe there's definitely baggage there and it'll probably come out. But yeah, it's... it's it's And it's funny when it does come out and what it is that brings it out, right? Yeah. Like I'm having... Oh, I, I think probably in the last four years, I've really had this, a lot of stuff coming up from stuff that happened no, seven, eight years ago. Yep. And it's so weird. I'm like, what is it that's finally making it come out? I don't know if it's becoming a mum. I don't know if it's getting married, if it's these sort of things. But yeah, it's it's interesting when it comes and slaps you across the face and you're like, all right, I'll, I'm awake now. I'm, I'm here to listen. Yeah. I'll do something with it. But, yeah. but, but you know what? As confronting as it is, the aha moments are the icing on the cake. You know, like they, I think 
that's what you got to hold on to when you're going through the storm and you know it's rocky and you know you don't want to be on that damn boat. There is a horizon somewhere and that's what you're aiming towards. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I'm inherently just stuck on that fucking boat. Like, I'm just so <laughs> stubborn. Like <laughs> You're like transforming the boat, making it double-decker. Right, like I've had <laughs> many, many chances to jump off the boat and I've just, I just keep holding on. I'm just an idiot like that. No, you're strong like that. No, I don't know if it's strength. I'm pretty sure it's just spite. <laughs> this, this, this is one of those points where if I was listening to oh, this yeah, episode, I'd call yeah. you and I'd be yeah. like, no, Wrong. actually, <laughs> let's take that back to this. Well, year. I'm certain you're going to listen back to this and be like, <laughs> why did I say that? Why did he say that? I don't know if I can because, like, you know me inherently well and, like, like, no, how do you say this without sounding like a douche canoe? Um, like, I don't like attention on me. And okay. obviously, I'm here with you right now, yeah, so this a part is of like it is attention When you us. were like, I love control and this and that, I was like, <laughs> she is dying yeah. right now. Because I'm going to yeah. chop all this footage up <laughs> and there's going to be snippets and you've got zero control yeah. over your image. But I think I needed that in a lot of ways. Like, you know, I had to come in here and go, I'm just having a chat with a great mate. Yeah. Um, there's a part of me that like you know what, you've, like, listening to the episode with Brad and knowing what's coming up um, in the next episode as well, Yeah, I'm like, why, why aren't we having a chinwag? What's going on? Um, so maybe this is just for us and add it to our 20 years of great chats. Um, yeah. But if you use it, you use it. And I don't know, I'll... I'll I don't know. I don't like hearing myself on a voice recording. Never mind. I've woken up today It is really hard. Voice. It is really, really hard to hear yourself. Yeah. But, again, it's one of those things, like... I, I'm I'm not the biggest legacy guy, right? Like, I, I would love to have a son that can keep the name going, right? I've never been a real legacy guy. But there is, there's definitely something in it. Like, there's a reason that there was, like, you know, monarchies and all this. There's a reason, there's, there's some power in mm. knowing you'll live forever one way or another. Mm. And, and, and this is my version of that. Like yeah. I've, I've, I've come to terms with that, that there's like a, there's a need for me to create and mm. this is my immortality essentially. Mm. Like, so if you're listening in 2147. <laughs> on your hoverboard. Yeah. On your, probably still <laughs> won't have them. Dear science. Yeah. Um, yeah. So They'll be like, podcast, what's a podcast? Yeah, what's a podcast? <laughs> what are they wearing on their head? Yeah, why are they sitting down? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. It'd just be something strange. Well, so, I think yeah. that's, um, you know, I'm going to take it to a dorky place because Do I'm a dork. Do um, it. I'm a massive Harry Potter nerd. All my fellow Harry Potter nerds out there, salute. Um, but Robbie Coltrane did an interview when they had the anniversary recently and he was saying, you know, like, I'm not going to live forever, but Hagrid will. Yeah. And he's got great joy out of his family knowing they can always watch the movies and that. And he passed recently too and it was terrible. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that's a bit of this for you. Like we had a chat one day, you know, in the Mandra Forum of all places and you were talking about legacy because this is pre-me having a child. Right. And um, for people that don't know me, I, um, I'm Fanani Jazz. I've got oh, so many nieces, nephews, godchildren. Like I'm really blessed and... I was always like, no, 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 I'm not going to have kids. I'm going to do my thing. And we were sort of talking. You were like, well, what's your legacy going to be then? Like, you need to pass it along. And and we're like, does children inherently define that being your legacy? And I think there is a lot of this for you. Like, you have so many questions and lack thereof answers from your childhood that, you know, your kids are going to grow up and know you so well. Like, And as they transition into different areas of their life as well, like, I'm just imagining... You know, your little one listening to this, which is not so little anymore, um, you know, when she's 30, yeah. and is she going to agree? Is she going to be like, these two crazy crackers, um, yeah. Yeah, me and Jess sat down in here one night after a couple of drinks, and exactly like this, we sat across from each other, and we're like, let's just have a fucking chat yep. as husband and wife, 
as adults that the kids can find one day and just be like, fuck, like two hours we sat in here and just had a real honest, like, adult chat. Because, like, you never, like, you know my dad, right? And he was, he was accessible and he was, I want, I want to say he was emotionally available to a certain degree, mm, right? He, like was he was still, school. he was still a very hard old man, right? Never could I have sat down and had a chat with my dad like my girls could with me, right? And maybe yeah. that's just the next generation getting better, and we're a different, different species now. But yeah, for the, for for the kids to be able to pick something like this, and like uh, I don't know if you remember, but me and Imogen made a video when she was eight, like eight questions for an mm. eight year old, where she asked about like crime and like, oh, you know, if you ever been arrested, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and she's like, what? <laughs> so like, yeah, it's just um. It's just these things where, like, yeah, hopefully, like you said, there will not be so many questions. Like, mm. They can know who I was, I like, think, really. I think this is your love language, right? Have you heard about love languages? I have. Yeah, and I think... Mine's definitely sex. <laughs> <laughs> physical touch, physical touch. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like, your dad definitely, he showed it in a different way. You know, like, he was a very hardworking man, um, putting the love and labour into that house. So, you had a home. Yeah. It was acts of service for him mm. um, in a lot of ways. Um, uh, everything. He was always an acts of service guy. He would go out of his way to come over and build you anything or yep. fix anything or... Drive to the airport, pick people up, drop them off, help the neighbours, yeah. you know, whatever it was. So, yeah. And I think for you, I think, you know, it is affirmations in a way. This is very much a love letter to a lot of things, to yourself, to your children, to your friends, to just trying to get people to be better people. Yeah, yeah. I think that's – It's. I I suppose it's probably an act of service in that Mm. as well. I think that Mm. people need to be told, hey, text someone and tell them you love them. Yeah, 100%. Because they go, right? People fucking die, right? Like that's the – and we've the, lost a lot of people too, right. you know. You know, like I was watching um, <laughs> of all movies to find good meaning in, I was watching Saw last night. <laughs> and the dude's whole thing is you didn't love life and you didn't respect it. Mm-hmm. And he was talking, so obviously he has cancer, the main guy. Jigsaw has cancer and he's like, it was at that point I realised that life was to be lived because I had an end date, right? <sighs> How do you fucking convince someone that Okay, you're in your 30s, right? Like, we're in our 30s. We're still, you know, relatively fit, healthy, all these sort of things. You can still have a fucking aneurysm tomorrow. 100%. Right? Like, you just don't Look, ever know. I don't, I don't know if we should throw people's names out, but, you know, we lost someone who had, like, a 1% aneurysm swimming in a pool. And yeah. fittest, healthiest guy I've ever met in my life. Never put a bad thing in his body. Gone. You know, yeah. just... Yeah, and it's that quick, right? Like, it's, it's, it's so, so finite like Mm. it's just life is finite so yeah i i just i just cannot emphasize that enough if you're listening to this and you have been holding off sending someone a message or Mm. feel awkward or or whatever just fucking send the message or like like, do something for them like i um you were going through a bit of a rough trot a while back and I, I'm a little bit morbid. <laughs> oh, life um, is just rubbish. <laughs> no. But um, I'm very, I love people hard and I've got, I'm very, very emotional and empathetic. But my deep, dark secret is that in my phone, in the notes section, I write to people all the time. So, or it's just about a feeling, a thought, a thank you, something about them that I want them to know so that when I go, they can go, oh, shit, I didn't realise that I meant that to that person. And, I don't ever do it, but I sent you something I wrote about you. Just one thing. Mm. There's many in there. 
Um, if that's your jam, do that. Write it down. Put it somewhere accessible. Send them a letter in the mail. I think, you know, get rid of Facebook for a bit. Write write the old handwritten letter. It'll mean something to someone and it will change their day. Like, it's, yeah. it's so important. Do you, you think know? you are doing... Do you think it's almost a disservice to not like waiting until you die for 100%. someone to know about it? Like hundred percent. It it is a cop out. It's yeah. I'm so. I think sometimes, and this is my trauma from childhood, um, being too much, being labelled as too much. I never want to be that. I never want to cross that. You know, you want to be. Oh, I don't know. It, it is definitely that's my thing. You're not good enough, and or you're too much. And I've done some therapy on it, so. Um, when I was in this relationship before, there was a lot, lot that happened and it's like a can of worms. Um, but there was some gaslighting in there, some emotional abuse. Um, and the thing about relationships is you inherently give someone the power to destroy you because you're being vulnerable. No one really knows you to a level as someone that you're dating and that you're intimate with. Um, and one thing that always stands out that he says to me, and it's like, it just slapped me sideways 20 times, was the thing I love about you is that you are so generous, kind, and empathetic. But the thing I fucking hate about you is you are so kind and empathetic and you give everyone so much. What do you, where do you go with that? Yeah, like, you love it about me, but you hate it. Like, do I not help people? Do I do I lock myself away? And I now, I've done the therapy to look back on it. It is a form of that emotional abuse where it's like, we're going to control you here because I'm going to make you so insecure around if you reach out, you you know. Yeah. And, and you cut Is yourself off. Is this the off. good part of it or the bad part? <laughs> like, all right, I'm just going to hide. And 100%. And, you know, like, I'm trying to get better. It's still a cop-out that I text you that. Really, I should have got my ass in the car. I should have drove down to oh, took no, you for a coffee. All. No, no, that's too much. And it's not, though. That's, that's too much work. About gratitude. <laughs> but you're worth it. You mentioned this, and it made me cry, actually, when you were talking to Brad around you saying, um, oh, you know, I messaged my mate. And I said, look, I've got nothing to offer you right now. Yeah. And I'm like. You don't have. You could be in the worst shape of your life. Come over, man. Like I might not be in the best shape of my life. We'll have a coffee. We'll, we'll talk. We won't. We'll have a drink. We might not. We might go for a drive. Yeah, that's always been our thing. But mm. like we've we've had some incredible moments together. You know, like yeah. with uh, the passing of your grandfather. All we did was drive around. Right? <laughs> full of piss. Like full disclosure. I'm like, sorry. Who you drove around? I drove around. <laughs> Someone went missing and uh, grief. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, we sat in that car in the driveway. We sat, you know, we just grabbed a drink, sat there. You know, we've had many, many fucking moments like that over the years. After I'm, we I'm, stole a carton from the wake and decided we needed to go be somewhere else. We needed to do our own thing, right? Because right? it was a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we've had yeah. so many. Like, I'm so appreciative of you. The year, over the years, like, just coming for a sleepover, your mum always welcomed me. You know, always had a couch to sleep on, no matter what fucking state I was in. Mm. Um, you know, where my life was at. It was zero judgment from you and your mum. It was always just, an, like, I always had a haven. I never, and again, like, there was many times where I never felt I had anything to bring, so I didn't come. But... There was, yeah, so I'm so appreciative of, of that and, I, and I'm so devastated that there's so many kids that don't have that. Yeah, I agree. I think yeah. I think that's what's drawn me into the work that I do. So um, obviously no one really knows me, but um, I work in a space with... Uh, so let's, let's, no, let's stop. Let's, let's stop. stop you there. You're so, roll one. Yeah, let's, let's roll <laughs> the tape back. 
So tell me how you one. Why did you choose psychology, right? Because I always knew, I always thought you'd be like a writer. I was like, like the amount of <laughs> shit that you would write. I was like, hundred percent, she can be an author. Um, so how did you find your way into psychology? It's actually really funny. Um, again, listening to you episode with Brad, um, he was talking about it. So I, you know, grew up in okay a neighbourhood that was less than ideal, low SES not much support services around and unfortunately people sort of stereotype you as a certain kind of way and I really wanted to break that mould. I wanted to, you know, I was lucky. I had a safe home. I had a positive environment. You know, mum was putting food on the table, working hard for us. She wasn't into, you know, drugs and rock and roll and alcohol and all those things so she really held it down. Um, and I wanted to help other kids, like you said. I really wanted to give back. So I actually joined, there was this course at the time called Preparation for the Police Force I thought, yeah, I'm going to go be a cop. I'm going to do this. It's going to be great. I love everyone. And um, so as a part of this training, you went through, you did the physical, you did the riot training, you did Glock training, all the things. Um, and then you did like a probation with a constable. And I remember like going to a few things and, you know, I couldn't let things go. I was talking to my constable. I was like, what happened to that family? Did someone get this and this and this for that person? And my constable was very clear. He was like, our job is to stop bad things from happening. Inherently, that's what we do. We go in, we put a stopper, we put a prevention, or we get more services and help. And I was like, yeah, yeah, but what happens? And he said, Jasmine, if you want to do the warm, fuzzy stuff, you need to do something else. And Brad sort of picked up on that. And I was like, you know, you're right. I need that closure. I need that warm, fuzzy. Um, but no one in my family has been to university. No one studied. Like, if you went past year 10, that was amazing. Like, me and my brother... Went, went to year 12, which was incredible. Yeah. Um, and then I decided that I'm going to give it a crack. So I actually did this program called Uni Ready, and it's like a preparation for uni, and it bridges you to get into uni. And I was so insecure. Like, I didn't think I was smart enough. I didn't think I was good enough. I was from Coodnup, like, and I shouldn't be doing this. Like, what, like I'm going to waste all this money and time. So I did it online, and I hid in my bedroom. I told no one I was doing it. And to my surprise, I passed, um, but I actually got awarded as one of the highest grades in one of the courses, which I'm not the top of the, the tree. It's not, No, I'm not, honestly. Mm. I'm, I, I try hard. I'm a perfectionist, but I'm not the top, <laughs> top of the Christmas tree. Okay. Um, but yeah, and I got in and um, I think it was really knowing where we've come from, seeing what we've seen and doing that preparation for the police force and just going, someone needs to give a damn and follow up. And it needs to be... A, authentic, but B, consistent, you know, like there are so many programs and things out there that exist, but it's like a, oh, we're just doing it to get engagement stats. We're going to do this once off workshop and we've changed your life. It's not how it works. Like the program that I've gotten into is more around you go in in year seven, you stay there through year 12, uni if you can, TAFE, trade, whatever it might be, and it's consistent. So if I'm going to go into a school and try and talk to a student and go, hey, I can understand, I can empathise on a different level with what you're going through. I need to be consistent. I'm going to come back. I'm going to check on you. And I'm going to remember you. You're not just going to be number 12 at this school. Um, and I'm lucky that I have seen that. Like I've seen kids transition and they've finished, they graduated, like they're lawyers and doctors and things now, which is crazy. Um, but that was where it started. It was, it was, yeah, that police training course. And I don't regret it. I love it. I think it taught me so many negotiation skills. But there was another part of me when I was doing it that just broke my heart. So they sh we're from Mandra. They showed me Mandra's Most Wanted. And I just remember looking at the list and being like, 
I know every single person on the list. Um, and that scared me because I'm like, you these these people aren't bad people. They've got um their own sort of trauma and things going on, but they are good people. <coughs> yeah. And um I remember talking about who was number one and I said, Why is this person on the list? And they said, Oh, they're stealing. I was like, I guarantee you they're stealing food. Yeah, they are, but it's wrong and it's against the law, rah rah. I said, I agree, not fighting that. But food is a basic human need. And I said, do you know their story? It doesn't matter. I said, it does matter though. So I was, you know, this person, you know, their their dad had died, their mum was in prison and they had seven siblings. He's stealing food to feed his family. He's young, trying to do the right thing, not out there stealing, you know, Nikes and video games. And I was like, put them in a school breakfast program. Give them something, like just... Change their narrative. That's what they need. They don't need you giving him fines, court dates, failure to attends. It's a basic human need. And I think that pushed me like, yeah, I don't know. I'm so passionate about psych because like you said, we we are all human. We all mess up. We all feel vulnerable. We all have stuff going on and we just need help. Yeah, we are absolutely fallible. Um, oh. And you get stuck in like, I've seen it happen like I've, you know, when I was, you know, 18, 19, 20. Mm. I was in a lifestyle where I, I see a lot of people and it compounds, right? Like, so you get those fines and, you know, it's two grand and five grand. And so you're always behind the eight ball, right? And then you just never, and, and I think the worst thing is, I mean, I was super lucky that I didn't go away. But the criminal record, like getting a criminal fucking record is so detrimental. And when you're in it, it doesn't matter, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's just a thing you have, right? Everyone's got a criminal record. When you, and not everyone does, but if you get to that point where you transition away from those sort of lifestyles and sort of people environments, it is just follows you. Like Mm -hmm. I've still got one, right? Like it doesn't leave. Um, it's just there and it, it holds you back from so many things. Like you find the perfect job and then it's like, oh, police check. And you're like, fuck, well, I'm going to fail that. So no, I'm not even going to try. I'm going to be held accountable for something that I did when I was young. Yeah. Before my brain had finished maturing mm. um, and I had the awareness and the skills and that's going to define my future too. Yeah. it's And it's just, it's so, and you know, like, Again, I could have I could have been fucking done so many times before I was twenty one, right? Like, mm. and and you know I was, I was, you know, I'm lucky that I didn't. But yeah, it's so easy for this thing to happen when you're fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, and mm. it just it just starts this starts this spiral that you know you well why the fuck this is what I am to society well why be any different yeah yeah and I can't change this now and that's going to make this harder I'm just going to lean into these group of people because they understand me or they're not judging me and yeah misery loves company as well right like he just perpetuates yeah you want to be a piece of shit oh here's another bunch of pieces of shit and here's a big yeah big shit together yeah it's um you're not going to bother to try and get to know me or to help me so you're going to label me this way okay i'll I'll live up to that self-fulfilling prophecy yeah you want to see a bad kid i'll show you a bad kid yeah (laughs) it's um yeah it's such a funny funny thing so now with the tools you have like i think it's i think it's 
one thing to identify that obviously you understand how the brain works, you know, to a certain degree. So you have all the tools now as a psychologist. You're a doctor, right? No, no, no. No? I didn't go that crazy. Oh, Um, not yet. And just for caveat reasons, I have a degree in psychology, but I'm not a registered psychologist. What's the difference? You pay a membership to a board. Yeah, have to throw it out there because otherwise if you you label me as a psychologist, people might think that I'm doing therapy when I'm not licensed, which I am not doing. Just having a chat with them. Ah, listen, if anyone sued, wants to fucking split hairs, <laughs> fuck off. Please don't come at me. Don't sue me. So yeah. you're a psychologist <laughs> without a membership. Yeah, I'll allow your uh, mm. thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah. So you have, you've learned all the tools, right? Like, so you, you understand how the brain works. I just want to point out that, like... Even though you have all the tools right, like you don't have all the answers. 130,000%. Yeah, right. Like I think it's really important to to identify that like doctors and psychologists and therapists and all these people are just people like, like and you never, like you never, like you, you have a really good way of like dealing with all my shit, right? Like... <laughs> Forever, like especially before Cooper was born, we'd catch up for coffee every eight weeks or whatever it was. You know, every couple of months we'd have coffee and I'd be like, why am I doing this? And he'd be like, I don't know, but (laughs) try this. (laughs) I think I had this epiphany moment, right? And it was like really, it was so sad. Like you go to uni, you pay all this money for a degree and you innately most people that are going into therapy is like, I want to help people. I want to save the world. I want to be such a great person. And I had this aha moment of, oh, shit, you don't do anything. Mm. Like, you are just the puppet master sitting there going, have you thought about this? Or asking prompting questions for you to figure it out yourself. So, I haven't done anything for you. I haven't done it to you. You You have. (laughs) I've given you the space, I guess, to figure it out yourself. And I was like, oh, dang. If you don't, like, there's there's many, like, there's, there's so many things like that right but like unless you know you don't know right Mm -hmm. so when you think of like a tree right i tell you to draw a tree Mm. you're not going to put one line up right you're going to go up and then there's going to be a point where you go two more right Mm -hmm. and then you're going to go and then those two are going to have two more right like unless you know what a tree looks like and it has many options you just, you like, you're not going to, you just draw a line, right, and then put a little thing on it. When you're a kid, say, right? If you're like me, i got no artistic ability. Like, oh, you're a phenomenal got, drawer. No, everyone has artistic ability. I they can, just do not follow up with it. I can draw one thing, which I think is a penguin, and everyone says it looks like a chicken. So okay, but, maybe like, not. everyone, <laughs> no one is as dedicated to drawing as I am, right? And everyone's like, oh, man, like, it must be talents. Like, Fuck no, I sit in the corner and draw for 10 hours a day. Yeah, we've got to get better at that because that's like limiting and almost diminishing your hard work and dedication. Like when people say that, it's like um, my pet peeve is with athletes and traditionally, you know, it's African-American sort of athletes and they're like, oh, you were bred for this or born for this? Almost like they have done nothing to deserve it. Yeah. It's like, no, man, like they're still getting up and putting the dedication that work. Who's getting up at four in the morning and doing those laps? They are. But let me just say that there is an X amount of genetics. I'm not going to jump 10 feet in the air, (laughs) right? 
but someone that's seven have and a half feet can. Have you seen White Man Can't Jump? He could. I, I don't think I actually have ever seen it. God. Yeah, I actually want to be... I, I, you know what? I probably reckon I watched it with Anthony back when I was a kid, but yeah. I don't... I do not recall it at all. Mm. Um, then There is a certain part that I will never be mm. as good as LeBron James, right? Like, he's just... Oh, there's yeah, there's yeah. something to him. Don't say that name to me. It's a, it's a button pusher. He's the man. Shh. He's the man. Excuse me. Kobe in the house. Where am I like do you want me to cry? <laughs> like, just let it I go. legitimately cried, you know. No, Kobe, yeah. Kobe uh, for life over here. LeBron's yeah. all right. I'll, he's yeah. pretty fucking good. Like, he's, he's getting is, hammered at the moment, though. Yeah, was he now the highest point scorer in history? Yeah. yeah. He went to um, the Super Bowl or whatever, and they panned the camera around to him. He did the whole fake putting a crown on King James. Oh. And he got booed. Oh, shit. <laughs> he went from like, he went from like a hundred to zero. So the day before he was like courtside next to a young female fan and took photos with her. And oh, look how nice he is to like, look yep. at Ari, you know, yeah, you right. can't win when you're a celebrity. You can't, you can't. He's all right. I'm just team Kobe. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. Continue, that's sorry. fine. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, thanks for listening along to part one of my chat with Jazz. The next episode is already up, so if you want to keep listening, head over and find it on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast from. It's there waiting for you. Before you take off, if you could share it, talk about it with a friend, follow us on social media. It all helps. Thanks, and I'll see you for part two.